like salsa. I do. I well, I like to do all the dancing. <laughs> I'll do all the <laughs> all dancing. All the de- dancing. All the dancing. <laughs> I wish I could. Do, well, I, I'm not so good at tap dancing, although I have had lessons. But um, I think like so. I love to go to EDM festivals, mm, you know, and yeah. I can, and I'm one of those that can dance from the second they get there till it ends three days later. Wow. Like I really just I I can keep on going and going. I have I don't have a stop button when it comes to like uh, music and dancing and stuff. But um, but yeah, I mean pretty much anywhere. I go, if I go out and there's music, if I have a good partner, I can salsa dance. Uh, somebody who leads well, <laughs> I'm a good follower. But uh, <laughs> I like to. Uh, I j- it's a good outlet, and and especially when I'm Brazilian jiu-jitsu, that's my biggest therapy. Yeah. So it's like I have to have something, or I, it, it build, you know, my mind builds up and my frustrations and stuff. So that's kind of been how I've gotten a lot of that, my f- anger and feelings out. You know, uh, so almost three months without it is, it's a little. Disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> You're like all those demons are starting to surface, rear their ugly heads again. I, yeah. I find other ways. I have to because it's just too much. <laughs> what I mean, speaking of which, like what? Because how long have you been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Um, I've been doing it for a l- probably over four years. Okay. And before that, I did a couple years of stand-up, like kickboxing, okay. with a little Muay Thai mixed in, but mainly kickboxing. Um, and then my son was in it very young, so I watched him do it for a couple of years prior to that, too. So, um, But when I transitioned to jiu-jitsu and I moved to Phoenix, and I was sold, like, because I'd never done it before. Mm-hmm. I'd just been watching. Yeah. And they had, like, a two-week trial, and they didn't have kickboxing, which I was doing, which I loved doing. Um, and I was like, you know, I'll give a shot. And within, like, two days, I was already I was already sold, and I was there, like, I went almost every day. Like, it really was a life So much fun. Yeah. It's so much fun. And what, what I love about uh, – I, I have a neck injury. I have six bulging discs, so I can't mm-hmm. uh, do it, but – uh, right before I had surgery, I just I rolled around a little bit because a bunch of my buddies in L.A. do it. And actually, one of my buddies uh, has a school in L.A. that's d- doing very well. But uh, you you learn so quickly. I, I took Kung Fu for a no- number of years when I was a kid, uh, maybe three years. And I couldn't show you anything mm. from that. I took two lessons in uh, jujitsu. And I felt like I could handle 90% of the people mm-hmm. walking around. Yeah. Like you just learn so much so quickly and it all makes sense. And it's just, it's just fun. It's a, it's a very um, usable skill. Right. Like it's not a, I don't know if that's the right word, but it's practical. not a it's practical. Very practical yeah. um, but it's like you could legit use it. You yeah. know, there's no, um, I mean, there's always scenarios that wouldn't work in, but like, you know, in a lot of the scenarios where you need to defend yourself close up, you, you can utilize it if you know what you're doing. Um, and for a female, it's the best by far, in my opinion, it's by far the best fighting skill, fighting style, um, because it's so, so much about weight leverage. Yeah. And, um, Handling somebody bigger than you. Which is, you know, 90% of the problem, you right. know, if you're having to defend yourself. So, 
um, learning to, you know, is your it's all about your weight and how you're um, leveraging it and how you're balancing your core and everything. Um, I can't even tell you how many times I roll with. All my partners are bigger than me. It's very mm -hmm. rare that I have partners smaller, mm -hmm. um, unless they're female. And I, um, and it's hard actually sometimes harder to fight them because I'm not used to them. You don't. Um, I the the bigger guys, they don't um, take advantage of the space like we do because we understand that's our advantage. So um, when we fight, when I fight girls my size or smaller. All of a sudden, they're squirming and, and tucking and turning in ways that, you know, the the other guys aren't because they simply are too big to do that. You know, they, they don't have that flexibility, that mobility, range right. of motion, right? Right. And I mean, I get over and over, you know, guys who have never rolled with me, they they're just a little shocked. I think after you know they're <laughs> 50, 60, sometimes more, and I'm and they literally can't move, mm -hmm. and I'm and I just have learned thanks to a couple of female coaches and, and male coaches too, but particular, uh, one co female coach that she taught, she just taught me, like she taught us how to, um, cross face really well and like really like dig our, you know, our shoulders into their chest and chins and, and just the, and then how to, ba um, base really well, you know, um, and once you get that position, it's hard. They can't. They it's can't, hard uh, to. Yeah. They can't move. I dated a girl and she took one lesson, came back and kicked my butt in no time. She she learned because she already had strong legs and, and she had a, a yoga background. Mm -hmm. So she picked it up so quickly. And I was just like, all right, no, no. More. I was like, no more lessons. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't have you protecting me. This is this is this is wrong. <laughs> I, it, it, it is it's surprising, you know, and especially you know, I, I I haven't really fought with my purple belt yet, which is, like I said, kind of frustrating. Yeah. I just got it. And then I had just had this injury like three days prior. I couldn't even roll at the belt ceremony. And, um, well, I was rolling, which is why it's probably not healing. I should have stopped immediately. <laughs> right. You know, but that's, it is what it is. You just don't realize what injuries are going to really be serious and what aren't. And you never consider this a stupid little knuckle throw, it, you know what I mean? I've never, it's been so frustrating. It's like when people were making fun of Shaquille O'Neal from the uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. He, he's, he had a toe injury. And people are like, really going to let a, a toe injury stop mm -hmm. you from playing basketball? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's where your balance is oh, yeah, in your sure. big toe. People, a lot of people don't know that. And it's painful, like just stubbing your toe. Mm -hmm. So I think he had a broken toe, and people were just clowning him for like not. Oh, he's not tough enough. And it's like, no, it is well. So <laughs> twice I woke up with 103 fever, and my finger swollen, and I've had to be take two rounds of antibiotics because of this ligament. And it's not even broke; it's just overstretched. But um, I have, it's it's my right hand. I keep grabbing things. You know you whatever and so the inside is getting infected like um uh, i don't know cellulose gotcha. or so i don't know what it's okay. called but i just take like two different antibiotics just to heal mm -hmm. two parts of it because you have to heal the part near the bone and then that part not on the outer skin but on, like right inner outer i don't know mm. so it's just really stupid ligaments, yeah <laughs> so you so you're, you're playing music is 
a part of your therapy, uh, exercise, whether we're talking about dancing or jujitsu or, you know, before it was kickboxing and Muay Thai. Did you, did you go to actual therapy? Have you been to, you know, uh, like a, uh, you know, cognitive behavioral or sit down therapist? Um, I haven't done any therapy recently. Um, my, I did do therapy when I was married, um, like for relationship reasons. Um, and I'm all for therapy um, in general, my 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 uh, son has. I've been having him in therapy because I had a divorce two years ago, and kind of like working through all the different um, factors with that. But so uh, the money that I spend for that is kind of like you know I have to pick and choose. Right, right. Because I am a teacher, but you know the insurance is really pretty crappy, even though it used to be that teachers would get poor salary but good at benefits. Well, it's just, it's not that way. Right. At least we're in Arizona. It's kind of poor on both sides. So it's like I had to kind of pick and choose which way to go. So obviously I want him to be able to do the therapy. And my therapy truly is like the uh, my other outlets. Like it really does get my head straight. I've learned more life skills from jiu-jitsu than I've ever learned in any other thing I've ever done in my life. Like what? Well, um, for me, uh, so jiu-jitsu is such a, um, it's such an ego check, first of all. You know, so it's, you're, you're literally putting yourself in a situation where you're fighting somebody and you're trying not to get choked out or to put be put to sleep or get you know you're trying to break their arm they're trying to break your arm like it's there's a lot of trust in that situation but also there's a lot of um check of your pride because I know as an early way I'm very very competitive and I, I'm very feisty and so um for me learning to tap and tap fast was like a real thing, like I had to learn my lessons. In you know, I'm I'm a I'm not a one two time lesson person. I'm like sometimes it takes three or four or five. <laughs> so like I mean, a lot of my broken bones have been because I just simply didn't tap fast enough. I over I tried to overextend. I tried to fight through like a triangle choke or something, and you know broke a rib because I just I was just not knowing my limits. And thinking that, you know, I'll keep pushing, I'll keep trying, and then, you know, something pops. or um, So you learn as you progress that it's not worth it to take have to take two, three months off because you don't want to tap and start over. I mean, like, it really freaking matters. You're learning. You were in the wrong, you were in the wrong position, and you lost, <laughs> period. As soon as they got the dominant position, you lost. So you tap, you start over. But when you're a white belt and you're learning those lessons, like sometimes it just takes you, like sometimes you have to get hurt in order for you to realize, hey, this is stupid. You lost the second they got that position. Tap out, start over. What, you know, like your life is not affected by this. <laughs> no, you know what? It, it, and it, 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 it seems small, but last night, like I read the newspaper every day. Like you see newspapers right there. And uh, I couldn't get through the newspaper yesterday. I like to read it front to back. 
And uh, it was like 11 o'clock at night, and I'm sitting here trying to, like, I was like, I want to get through the newspaper. I want to finish it. And I had to tell myself, Leo, tap out. Like, it, like you not finishing this newspaper today is not a big deal. You're getting anxious because what happened then was I was starting to snack more because I was getting anxious because I was trying to keep myself up to finish mm-hmm. what I was doing. And, uh, and I've had to practice telling myself that my day is over. Like, yes, there are things that you want to get done today, but, and it goes back to what you said. Like, can you recover? Because if you end up staying up late trying to get things done mm-hmm. that you didn't get done, right. then it becomes harder to recover the next day. Oh, yeah. For and sure. now you're, you're a day or two behind, you know? Yeah, and that's why I feel like the life lessons can be applied in so many other avenues. Just like you're saying, that's a very, that's a very simple, like, li- like way to transfer it over. And that's just like a you know, you just deciding to go to bed early. Right. But there are so many, like, even bigger, you know, ways to apply that in your life. Well, it's just knowing when you, um, knowing when you need to back down. And and it could have to do with a relationship. It could have to do with, like, your work. It could have to do with, like, major things that, like, um, you know, affect your finances or, you know. So the life lessons with learning how to to tap out and try again just to fail over and over and over and and uh that's a huge thing because you're going to lose 90% more like if let's say out of all the times you train 90% of the time you're going to lose 10% you'll either win or come to like a where draw. neither one of you really right. at a draw so you just get used to it and it's not a big deal you know, like, um, at this point, on, I hardly, the only time I ever get mad is when I know I've done something stupid. You know, I missed something. I, I, maybe I always got cocky or something. I get mad myself. Um, or if I get, like, a dude that's just, like, a smasher, and I'm like, cool, dude, you won. Uh, you know, <laughs> I yeah. can't help. I still have a little feistiness in that way. But, um, but still, like, even in that situation, like, He's bigger. That was his strength, and he won. Like, I still, yeah, there's, there's like, respectable ways to handle that if you're a guy going with somebody's weight smaller than you. Like, you shouldn't just smash them. You should use their technique. But at the same time, it is a fighting style, and right. it is preparing you for those sorts of situations. So, um, yeah, I get a little feisty about it sometimes. But, but then, you know, when I'm thinking through it, I'm like, well, that was a real life situation, honestly. You know, even if it's frustrating. So, yeah, because not everybody fights fairly, and oh, no. and and you're, you know, I think that's why Conor McGregor was dominant for so long mm-hmm. because nobody had ever seen anything like him because nobody had ever trained the way he trained, and so yeah. you didn't know how to prepare form. Uh, right. And then after a while, people figured it out. Yeah. And now, you know, he got beat. So well, I said, I saw the whole thing, like learning the, uh, finding that style that's different, that everybody has to adapt to it. Right. And it takes time. Just like with um, Ronda Rousey. Yeah. You know, um, who, you know, nobody knew, knew what to do. And then eventually they figured it out, like how to, how to comp, you know, uh, defend and yeah. then whatever be aggressive and overtake but um 
it's the same thing. And, it, you know, and same thing in our training because you're going to train against all these different people and they're your teammates. And um, you're going to learn their weaknesses and their strengths. And then that's why it's good for you to go to other gyms because you're just fighting the same people over and over and you know what they can do. You know how to take advantage of different weaknesses they have. And they know what your, uh, your strengths are. So sometimes you... My, one of my favorite things is to, like, do open mats on the weekends um, at gyms and just kind of because it's you're not prepared for whatever you're going to get. Right. It's more real, you know, for a, maybe a competition situation. Um, but uh, I would say also with. Uh, well, uh, can I can I go back a little yeah. bit, though? Uh, uh, going back into the tapping out, it made me think of uh, people who. There's so many articles about high school students, especially, uh, and college students, but who are overachievers. They're straight A students. Uh, they're they're football captains, um, and uh, you know everybody loves them. And then, but but then they complete suicide, and it it catches the parents and the community and the schools and everybody around them off guard, because here's somebody who was had everything and achieving and and. Et cetera, et cetera. And I think part of it is uh, them not tapping out. Because I think uh, uh, some overachievers achieve for everybody else, and they're not really achieving for themselves. And then they just run out of gas. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not, it's not really, they're not really self-motivated. It's not something that they're really interested in. They're doing what everybody else says is uh, great and perfect, and mm. this is what a model student is. And try, so you try to live, because I mean, I, I feel that in myself of yeah. uh, feeling like I have to live up to a certain expectation in certain situations, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, especially you as a mom, and mm. you know, you For have sure. that, that, um, that I don't want to call it a burden, but that weight or that you, you feel that uh, expectation. Right. Um, and, and I think that's part of what it is, is like that kid just refusing to, to say, you know what, I, I don't really want to focus on the books anymore or on football or whatever. I want to scale back or yeah. I don't want to go to Harvard. I want to go to Santa Monica Community College, you know, yeah, for no, whatever absolutely. it is, right? I feel like that makes a lot of sense because I know I've always been an overachiever <laughs> and I was always like that student that had to get straight A's. I was never forced to get straight A's. Like, I know, I do know my parents watched over and they would, you know, talk to me, but I was always self-motivated. I don't know that, I don't think they ever asked me to study. They, you know, they never asked me to do, like, that to me was just what, I couldn't stand it. I wanted to get A's, you know. So, as a, and I'm a teacher, I teach music, but still, you see all the different learning styles and all the different personalities and, and then you have a, if you have a child of your own you realize that a lot of it truly is how they're born their natures because um, I know my son's highly intelligent but his style is so different than mine so sometimes we go to combat you know like about it because uh, where I would have been just cramming all night he's like oh yeah I looked over the notes you know I'm like you you're there for five minutes <laughs> no no it's fine <laughs> and sometimes it'll be an A and sometimes it'll be an F you know what I mean it's like okay now it's not always just fine like you legit have to put the time but and we'll you know we'll argue about it but 
for it's just a difference in a in I think motivation and learning style and and nature. Um, I I have serious ADHD. His is off the charts, but I think we you know as females and and males handle it differently. So uh, like. There's so many things, and I've had to, like, in my brain, what you're saying with tapping out, I've had to, like, say, okay, what really is the point of all this? Is it that he gets straight A's, or is it that he fails a few times so he can realize, oh, I did not put the effort into it? Because I'm, if I'm just sitting there just, like, pounding on him and, like, you know, saying, you don't study this, this, and this, and this, he's not really going to learn how to do it himself. So that's been hard for me. Because I want to be like, you need to start studying right now. But then sometimes you just got to fail and have the consequence, you know, <laughs> and sometimes again and again and again. And as a fifth grader, fourth grader, fifth grader, sixth grader, whatever, it's not really going to be that big of a deal. But once they get into high school and to college, so it's like you kind of have to let them fail. And that's hard as a parent, especially if you're like an overachiever like Absolutely. I am. Or really competitive or what, you know, so... Um, I agree. And and those kids that are naturally like I am and then maybe their parents are and like it's just so it's just a big like, you know, melting pot of crazy, like overachieving stress, you know. Um, yeah, they don't have that extra outlet to uh, to fail in because it, it's it scares me to think about, honestly, right. just even thinking about it scares yeah. me because um, nobody wants to to fail they don't want to fail their grades or getting into the college or the job or it's just a lot of anxiety it, it is true it's uh i uh and uh two who was it oh i think elizabeth kardash who was uh on a podcast she was talking about how she one of her her main coping skill for anxiety and depression is to talk more mm. and it resonated with me because i realized i Part of me doesn't talk as much because I don't want to say I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Um, and but it's not fun, you know. Uh, the the people who you know the people that we gravitate towards are are the people who say like the outlandish things, the crazy things. I mean, look at our president. Like he's saying a million crazy ridiculous things and I don't want to say the wrong things but they're just outlandish and ridiculous and, and nothing you expect from a president and um but here I am like like oh should I say that shouldn't I say that and I'm like man you know but and that doesn't mean that you say whatever you want to say right, right. but it but it just points to you know you don't learn and you don't grow if you don't put yourself out there if you're not um uh, taking a chance of speaking recklessly, of uh, performing recklessly, of, of just mm -hmm. kind of overextending yourself in these moments, of breaking some bones, right. things like that, and and uh, and seeing how you can recover. I mean, that's where the um, T.D. Jake said that uh, uh, pain always leaves a present. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. so you know when you're in those, you know, when you break a finger, you, you definitely have learned what not to do next right. time and then what to do next time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and it is giving you time to reflect and, and maybe some time off that you need it, that you didn't even know that you need it. Right. You know? And that's another thing. Like, we, it is stre it stresses me out to not be training. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there are people that they literally will go and just sit and watch. 
Um, I, I'm not that person. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot just sit and watch. It's not ever going to happen. So I would rather fill it with other things, you know, important things, my son or whatever. But because um, it's a hobby. I'm 41. I'm a, you know, like I'm a teacher. I'm a mom. Like I'm not going to be professional. So I do keep in perspective. Like there's, a, I have a lot of, you know, jujitsu brothers and sisters and they are, all in, all the time. And I was that way for a while. Um, but at some point, it is it is your life. It's real life. And um, you have to find the balance. And I, and I have too many other creative outlets right. and other focuses that I can't, <laughs> I can't, like, live and breathe it. I'm not going to make a business out of it at this yeah. point. So it's like... And yeah. and you find that when you when you do when you are doing things like DJing and 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 dancing and singing and and raising a son and like they all feed each other. It gets you excited because you know like you said there are life lessons that you learn and I cut you off earlier I'm sorry. Uh in jiu-jitsu that then helps you uh figure out how to better communicate with your son or how to better uh, manage your classroom, and vice versa. There are things that hopefully you're learning in each one of those areas that you then go, oh, that's how I could apply it to this, or or that's why I got beat, you know, something you yeah. learn in dance, you know? And I, yeah, I'll use, I'll use metaphors or, like, lesson examples when I'm teaching. But I will say that sometimes I'm also, like, suck it up. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know what I mean? Like, really? Like, this is... <laughs> I, I literally I went to sleep because somebody was choking me the other day. You can handle this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, I mean, I can be a little too, like, tough sometimes, but right. I really do, like, it does... It, I think it's more of an ego ego check and a, a pride checker, you know, a pride stabilizer or however you want to say that than anything. So it's, you know, that's doesn't happen that often. But every once in a while, I'm like, all right. Your, your competitive uh, spirit, did that come from your parents, siblings? Um, Do you have siblings? I have two younger brothers. Okay. Um, so my um, my mom, she was a teenage mom and divorced. And uh, when I was two, she moved to Texas and she married um, my dad, who uh, I was like six. He was uh, in the army at Fort Hood, and they got married, and he eventually adopted me. So he's, you know, my dad. And then, so he's, they're both young. He's on, uh, oh gosh, he's going to kill me, but I think he's 14 years or 16 years older than me. He's, he's you know, young. You know, so he was young when I was little and highly competitive family, like baseball family, basketball family. Like they had that, not only was he young, but super competitive. So yeah, I was thrown into like, like that world of like the technique had to be perfect and you know like I was the oldest grandchild the oldest child like so I got actually burnt out pretty mm. fast and young because it was just a lot of pressure and 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 I am by nature competitive so it's just you know one thing after the other but I was like a catcher I was really I would love to be in a catcher because I'm aggressive by nature like in that sort of situation so but by the time I was in eighth grade, I was pretty burnt out. And then I switched over into music, basically. Uh, choir, we had, we were in the Midwest, so it was like competitive show choir world. And then I still did track and field, so that was one way I kept into it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, my brothers both played baseball, 
My dad was a baseball scout. Um, I was on the field all the time watching them. They did like the touring stuff, yeah. college ball and everything. So, so definitely like that's kind of was my world growing up. And then I did switch over to music as well. So had a little bit of both. So how did you handle failure when you were younger? Like, had you always, because uh, you talked about anger earlier, and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, not training for three months, and you're like, all this stuff's starting to come up. Yeah. Where was there, where there's there a point where the anger was out of control earlier on, or had well, you, had I, the sports always kept it in check for you? I definitely think that, um, I, I'm trying to think of any specific examples other than, I just would get really upset. I remember I was younger. I would get so upset at myself, and yeah. I would cry, you yeah. know, um, just out of frustration because I wasn't doing as well as I, w- I thought I should be, you know. Right. And I think at some point my parents realized that, like, I was had, you know, I was just burnt out. Like, I reached my limit. And then, you know, they opened their arms up to music. Even when I was younger, uh, My I was like, I guess I had perfect pitch or something. I went to a lesson with my cousin. I, my mom has the whole story about it. And so she realized I was, you know, a musician. And so when they, I don't think it was a hard transition. I did gotcha. like cheerleading for one year and I hated it. Yeah. So then I went into music. I don't know. So this long, they always, they're the type. And I feel the same. Like you need to do something. Right. You have to have something. You have to have something. Life. Yes. So, um, and, you know, I, for me, Jiu-Jitsu came into my life when I first moved to Phoenix was around the time um, my that around the time I also started separating. Mm-hmm. So we were in Phoenix for one year and I had been training for one year. And uh, by the second year of my training was when I started separating and um, went and then eventually divorced. So I was living at that gym like it was my kind of my sanctuary, yeah. and my release of like stress and frustration and um, um but also the s- a source of strength because I was putting myself through situations that I never thought I would be capable of. My body was being put in into stress and my mind was being challenged and, and I never realized that I could handle those sorts of situations. And um, it really gave me a strength that probably had I not experienced, I would probably not have gone through with it. But it taught me that I could handle it and that I had the courage and strength to get out of a situation that I needed to get out of. So um, it was important for me. Yeah, when, when, I, when I hit those moments where I'm like, I can't do this, I think about, you know, when I played football and we had three-a-days and mm-hmm. there were so many days where you thought you weren't going to make it. And some guys didn't. Some guys quit the team um, just because it was just grueling. And... and, and uh, so I either think about that or I just read this book, Unbroken, about this guy who was in a prisoner, who's a prisoner oh, yeah, of war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was at, but before, before he was in prison camp, he was at sea for 47 days. So, it's the, so he was already, you know, behind the eight ball. And I go, it, it makes me realize how resilient mm-hmm. humanity is. Not, right. I, like, I realized I don't, only have to be the tough one. I can look to other people who have been tough and, and been through that and be like, that's a human being. And yeah. if they can go through that and so, because he lived to be 98, I think, 90, 92 or 98, that guy, you know, mm-hmm. after going wow. through all that. 
Um, and so I, I, I draw on those inspirations too. Sometimes your yeah. experiences aren't enough, but you go, that guy, well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think that for me, um, my body would, I, I train so much that, you know, so your body just gets destroyed. It really, jujitsu is hard on your body. Right. And especially if you don't do all the recovery stuff you're supposed to do. Get the massage, the acupuncture. I never did. You know <laughs> what I mean? Let's face it. Like, especially when I was going through, like, separation everything, yeah. I just had the money right. in general to add extra stuff to that, yeah. you know. But time, you know, parenting, all that stuff, uh, it factors in. You just need to, like, okay, I did my hour and a half. I got to get home and get stuff done or, you right. know, like, if I was a single dude, you know, like, maybe I could just hang out and, like, stretch for an hour or whatever. But it's just different, you know. I'm, you you have different pri priorities yeah. and things you can handle. But, like, the uh, for me, like, so I, I had different broken bones. Like, I had my pinky caught and my teammate's gi and, <gasps> and it broke. Or, like, uh, you know, I was talking about I was in a triangle choke from a little tiny girl, too, not even a, a guy. Like, but I just refused to tap and I ended up um, fracturing a rib. And I ended up winning state with a broken rib, which I didn't even realize that it was broken at the time. Wow. Um, and, like, I remember I went through a phase where, and I had a partner who she was getting really good at north-south uh, position, which, if you don't know what that is, it's basically, like, what like one person's facing one direction and the other one. So you're literally like, they're sitting on top of your head. Right. And that's my least favorite position to be in the... It's like a 69, basically, basically, but in but wrestling. you are right. being suffocated. Yeah, yeah, and it is the worst feeling wow. ever because you, it's just hot. You're you're not really, you're not really, um, like you could be there for hours and be fine, but the the uh, the heat, you know, the air, yeah, yeah, the air is so hot and like um, heavy. I don't know how, to, but you I feel like you. you're suffocating, Muggy, even yeah. though it's all in your brain. Oh. Like you're really not in trouble but the heat of the breathing and everything like it, i would just hyperventilate are people like putting uh onions in their underwear like <laughs> you know like they putting stuff down there well, it's it's just just, like, you're like oh i know it's just like you know they squeeze <laughs> and then like you're like breathing but you're only getting that hot uh, air yeah. back so you oh you're, you're, you're able you could literally be there for hours but in your brain you feel like you're dying because it's just a it's a mind over matter thing and I'm I'm over it now like I've I actually relax when I feel like when I because let's say I have somebody has my back and their hooks are on me and they have their rear they're trying to rear neck and choke yeah. me and they're so close even and when you think you're in the worst position sometimes if you just relax there will be a space that opens up that you could utilize and you know I do that all the time now but at the beginning you panic, you know, and you'll do something that'll just make it tighter or worse. And so, but I went through a stage where whenever a partner or she would do that, in particular one of my partners, I would literally hyperventilate. I would start crying. It took me like three or four months to get over it. And it was just all in my mind. And those sorts of lessons though, like have been have been gold for me for my life too so knowing that when you think you're defeated that you know there's always like there's always an opportunity to 
to get out of a situation. There's always space. There's always space. There's always a chance to breathe and relax, wait for your opportunity, um, don't panic. You know, it, it's it can be applied in so many ways. My one of my friends, uh, 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 Kira Saltanovich, she's a comedian, very funny, and she has two kids, uh, and and she's Russian, and uh, you know she gets worked up and you know she wants her kids to behave and blah 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 and uh her two two boys and they're yelling and screaming and usually she yells back and she said she started taking uh, a breath work class and it's taught her when uh you know shit's hitting the fan to she puts her hands together at her chest and then she'll just start breathing and the kids are still going and running around, blah, 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 and she'll just keep breathing. And the kids finally just settle down, mm, mm. and they they go, you know, Mommy, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just taking some space. Mm. And then the kids calm down, right. and they just fall into whatever they're supposed to be doing. Right. And she hasn't done anything. And I'm sure it doesn't work every time. Right. Uh, however, it... It, but it, it does uh, speak to there are these moments in our lives where uh, shit's gone off the rail and we don't realize that there was space for us to stay on a rail because we panicked. They were talking about um, J, uh, not JFK, FDR, one of the president's brother who was a pilot who went down um, and they couldn't figure out why the plane crashed because there was nothing wrong with the plane. Mm. And they found out that uh, all he had to do was hit a lever to stabilize the plane, which they, because he was uh, an experienced pilot, they knew he knew how to do that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that was like some strange circumstance where like, oh, he wasn't trained for it. But he panicked right. for whatever reason. Yeah. And if he had just taken that breath, found the space, flipped the switch, no crash. And, yeah. And I, yeah. No, so I, and I, I was thinking about the competition especially is it, it, it puts you in that mode because you, you have that extra anxiety or the extra like where you have to think fast yes. and there is an outcome, yes. you know, that you live through. So those are also moments like, I have over, I've jumped into moves when I know not to, you know, I've uh, done stupid things that are, I have worked on in training just because I'm panicking, you know, I'm nervous. And uh, so that's a s competition even teaches you those sorts of skills as well. Like, although I'm not, I, I compete, but I honestly, it's not my favorite because it is a lot of anxiety, but it's those are also there's a skill to competing. So the more you do it, you know, the less anxiety. Yeah. So you right. learn how to how to handle it. But um, I mean, and, and you were talking about um, the. Com I'm sorry, Kira. You said Kira. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I think that she is presenting when she you were saying the breathing, because she's modeling it for her kids. 
Her right. kids are reflecting it. But also she's presenting calmer energy and the energy is felt. And even if you're like me and I, I feel people's energy, I would immediately respond to that. So if they at all had that, like, you know, em empath intuition thing that they would respond to it in that way so they're modeling that behavior but they're also feeling the energy you know it, and sometimes they you know kids they don't it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. like they're just a wall <laughs> it's not, it, you're just gonna, they're in their head space too much but, sugar yeah. in the bloodstream yeah yeah but if they have that tendency <laughs> yes. to empathize then they might respond to that as well but but Regardless, she's breathing. <laughs> I mean, you know, when she's instead of blowing, you know, like I've, I have those moments for sure where I'm just like, I could have handled that differently. <laughs> what uh, going? What were the circumstances leading up to the divorce? You said it was you had to get out of that situation. Um, I don't know if there's a way to like. Um, okay, so I was married for 16 years, and um, he was, all, he, he had always, when we first were, we were married right out of college, so we were really young, and I was very, we were very much in love, like, um, a very talented, intelligent man, like, probably one of the smartest men I've ever met, probably ever will, um, but he was like a rock musician for a while. I went to law school. Eventually decided to go into coaching, college coaching. And um, uh, it was a, you know, like we very much loved each other and, and, and those sorts of things. But he was, he was diagnosed with uh, dysthymic depression early in, in our marriage. Um, definitely I could tell right away that... Um, and because I'd had experience with depression and different things around me growing up, um, I don't think I have depression, but I definitely think I've had environmental depression based on things around me before. Um, but so dysthymic depression is like a is a low functioning depression is the way it's described that it just stays kind of under the surface, so it's it can go on for a long time, years, maybe even. Th somebody's whole life it's kind of like a melancholy a melancholy yeah. exactly so but the problem with any sort of depression is that they're easily triggered and they can become worse or you know depending on crisis or or stress, life changes right. life changes stress but you know uh, being dysthymic or the what what he was originally diagnosed with um made it very hard for him to um, connect with other people because it's just, it's a, you know, as we know, depression's a very, like, it's it's a very selfish, not... Self-absorbing. Self-absorbing yeah. is a good word. Yeah. Um, so it's, I don't want to make it sound like he did on purpose because that's not what I mean. But, I mean, he's just, it's just hard for them to really think, see outside of themselves, to connect with other people's emotions, to read other people. Um, it's almost like they have a wall around them. And I don't think it's because they don't love or they don't, you know, because I know he does. I, uh, for, he, he, you know, when we were married and my son everything, I just think that the uh, self-absorbing part of the depression, it was never a, 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 like a, a partnership, you know what I mean? It was always, I was a little, I carried on more as a caregiver for most of the time. And, you know, it has that has a lot of um, ramifications for the uh, 
the loved one of the, you know, if you have a partner who has any sort of mental illness of any kind, it's very hard on the people around them sometimes. And and uh, as the marriage progressed, uh, you know, we were for 16 years, um, different things would happen. And he, he was hospitalized at one time. And then he was diagnosed with chronic anxiety and depression. So it was kind of kicked up a notch. Um, he was having, like, panic attacks and stuff. Um, after he got medication, it, it got better for a little while because he was really able to kind of, it, you know, it helps them normalize a little right. bit to where they can, like, uh, see other people and and kind of be present instead of just always inside their head all the time. Um, and he had his other medications, like he would run miles, like 15 miles a day. He w he was a musician, so he would practice like four hours a day. I, mean, I don't mm -hmm. know how he fit all this in, but he did. Right. But he was highly intelligent when it came to whatever he was interested in. So he would become almost a genius at whatever topic that he did. So there was just a lot of disconnect, you know, a lot of focus on certain things, um, uh, hyper-focusing on things, mm -hmm. I guess. So um, when he got into coaching, he his career went really fast because he was good at what he did. Um, but the as he got more successful, um, and I was good at, I was a good partner for him because I am, I'm a natural caregiver. I'm very, I'm an empath, so I knew what he needed, and I was more than willing to, like, I, I'm not saying I was happy about it all the time, but um, because there was not a concern for anything outside of his career or outside you of didn't, It didn't feel reciprocal. It was definitely not for, like, no concern about the house, no concern about, like, education, you know, those sorts of things. So um, it takes its toll over a little bit. And I have a lot of talents myself, um, but it was always not really important. You know what I mean? The, the focus was always kind of gotcha. for, for one-sided. Mm -hmm. So um, as his career got m more uh, quickly, better and higher up in, in different positions, his mental health started going down a little bit. I mean, there are times that I would take off work and, like, fly to a championship because he would be having, like, you know, panic attacks. Or, like, so I would stop, you know, everything would halt. And and I did what I needed to do. So um, it's just, it's hard uh, when, you have a p when you have a partner in it and they're just not, I don't know if it's any fault of their own other than they just um, don't know how to find that balance. balance. They don't know how to... Work alongside you because they simply just don't know or don't feel in that way. Um, I s I never have thought it to be on purpose. I just think it it just that's just kind of the way it was, and um, and I was okay with it up until like the last few years when there he would start isolating more. And I'm, I'm like the opposite of that. I'm very... Um, yeah, you could dance for three days at a oh party. Oh, my gosh. I, I, <laughs> I can go nonstop. I, I am a social butterfly. Like, I have energy like crazy. I, I can't stand still. Like, so I'm very... I was so opposite. And as I was growing, and then he was getting higher in his career, we were moving. Oh, my gosh. We moved cross-country five times in eight years. Oh, my God. Like, there was so much moving. Um, 
and then, you know, raising my son and kind of like reestablishing. I, I left a really great position at Atlanta. At Atlanta um, I was teaching a, at a school that I loved. I miss it. But I had like six really big choirs and I had this one choir of 40 boys, like seventh grade boys. And they were just awesome. Like we were traveling to perform at conventions for teachers and stuff. Um, but I left all of that because I could teach anywhere, but he couldn't necessarily coach anywhere. Right. So, um, but anyway, at the end, when we ended up in Phoenix, um, at a really, he had a really good position there. Um, it's the isolation was getting worse, and then I was starting to do. I'd already been doing martial arts for a couple of years, a stand up, uh, stand up fighting, but then. Once I started doing jiu-jitsu, and I, like I said, the life skills and like the experiences I was having on top of his, the separation with the isolation and everything, um, things st definitely picked up at that point. And uh, his last diagnosis was um, bipolar. So, and it, and it definitely, um, what he stopped medicating and stuff like that. And it was just part, I think it was just part of a process. Right. Um, and so the jiu-jitsu aspect of it really, I couldn't even tell you how important it was to my transition out of, out having the strength to do it, making the decision, the final decision. I mean, there were other factors involved that I, I'll just, for personal reasons, will like not talk about, but there were things that pushed it forward quickly, but um, jiu-jitsu was like this way for me to like learn that I have the courage to do it, that I would just escape to the gym for six days, <laughs> you know, like I, every day I would go do it after work, and um, I was getting ready for competitions. I, I was able to focus on um, more than just the hurt and the pain yeah. and the stress, you know, um, because it wasn't easy. It was horribly hard, and it was not fun at all. And then um, there was, you know, hospitalization and stuff like that involved. And from the jujitsu? No, from, oh, from the just gotcha. uh, uh, from the, the depression getting worse gotcha. and kind of trans oh, transitioning gotcha. into okay. other diagnoses and um, other choices and stuff. And then, you know, and then obviously I have a, a son, and Actually he's to, having to deal with these major life changes that it already at, as a as a child with you know severe ADHD has a hard enough time transitioning just from recess to lunch you know what I mean like at school yeah. like this is a huge life-changing event so um we're all kind of in our own <laughs> state of crisis you know and he, and I was doing jiu-jitsu my son was doing jiu-jitsu um and I can't I can't speak highly enough of it as to how it it was an outlet and continues to be well, hopefully in about a month <laughs> <laughs> when I start doing it again um, as if people don't scare me off as yeah. when I walk in with my purple belt and I'm like I haven't done it for three months can I please just get a little trial <laughs> but yeah so um, it it's it was a big factor in my life, and it still it continues to be. But that can't be stated enough. Were there 
Were there things that you learned in couples therapy that you feel like is going to, that you can take with you to your next relationship? You know, I've taken couples therapy and there were, and even though, you know, uh, she and I had broken up, I learned so many valuable communication skills and, and other skills that I didn't realize I was horrible at. And that, when I listen to most people talk, I go, most people are horrible at certain communication. Were there things that you learned in couples therapy that you're like, wow, this is valuable and I'm going to take this with me into my, or, you know, or you can apply it to other things? Um, Definitely, like, the way to talk about your feelings. Um, You know, I grew up, like I said, with young parents, so uh, it was a very, like, combative, like, as far as not, not physically, but, like, verbally, like, yelling and, you know, attacking in that way, so... And it's not like that anymore, but, you know, they were growing. We were, I was a child. They were still children, right? We were all very young together. So I grew up hearing that. And so when I'm tired or, like, when you've hit me the right way, like, that's, that'll come out. I mean, that's just kind of, like, it's hard to get rid of that learned habit. And so we would learn about, like, how to say, um, you know, I feel using – uh, I feel this when you do this or, you know, using the how it makes you feel and then when so that there's a there's a understanding of what the action is and then what you're feeling. Mm. But also as a teacher, that's how we're taught to teach. Depending on what ki- what school you go to, they have different, like they call them like behavior. Every school, I've taught so many schools. I've lived in since I got out of college because of the coaching, I've lived in like five states or six states or something, and, and then multiple schools sometimes. So it's like every school has their own discipline, procedure, and like philosophies and, you know. And their v- vocabulary around <laughs> behavior. Right, right. So, and I don't, I don't mean to roll my eyes because we can't see all the thing, but like, but it, sometimes it's a little like, all right, you know. But because <laughs> I've taught it so many, you know what I mean? And then you have to learn all their new things. You're like, all right. But no, legit, they have, I have learned some good things and, uh, and I've applied it to my own uh, life and also with, you know, my son and, um, but it's still a struggle. Like, like I said, learning, get rid of those bad habits of just being like, because I'm very assertive because I had to learn to be. Because he, uh, you know, my only experience of a relationship was an emotionally detached situation. So if I didn't state how I fe- felt or what I needed, it would never be acknowledged or seen. Whether he wanted it to be or, you know, whether it was meant that way or not, it was just the way it is. So I had to be so, so, um, I had to, I never wanted to have expectations because if I just expected something to happen, it was never going to happen. So it's like, I had to say, okay, honey, I would really love it if this, you know, we saw a movie and you picked out the movie and, uh, now that usually didn't happen, like I said, but I did present it. So, uh, but part of that, I wonder, because, you know, because you're an empath and you can feel what other people are feeling Mm -hmm. and we usually, you know, we usually do project onto the world. So it's like, if I can feel it, why can't you feel it kind of thing? And I just assume that 
you feel that I want to do this or, or this is making me uncomfortable or X, Y, Z. And, uh, even for myself, I've had to realize that I do have to be, uh, more direct with people and you know what actually triggered that for me was this the whole uh uh, me too movement Mm -hmm. because you know as i'm I'm reading all these allegations and and listening to these different stories and uh you know people talking about no means no and i realized like how challenging it is uh to say no to someone like i'm not i'm not I'm not comfortable telling right. someone no. I'll say that doesn't work for me or maybe, or I'll say yes to things that I really want to say no to, hoping they'll forget about it. And after reading through all those allegations and, and just uh, and understanding like how there could be miscommunication in some instances, I've, I now have no problem saying no to people. Like, mm-hmm. So people like, hey, you want to do this? No. And I've mm-hmm. never, and I was like, wow, I can't believe that was a word that I've never really used before. Or I'd be like, oh, I'll get back to you later. Or, you know, mm-hmm. or I just would ignore, I would avoid them or, you know, something like that. But now I'm like, no. Yeah, and- <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I feel like I've gotten way better at that too. Yeah. I, it, I think it's an age thing too. But not, I, I mean, it, 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 as you were saying with the empath, like you feel what they feel and you want to give them. That's the, that's the difference. Yeah. It's not just feeling what they want. It's wanting to give them what they yeah. need. And that's really hard because you attract people who need right. and they need and they take whether they want to or not. Some of them do, some of them don't, they don't realize it, but they need. And so they gravitate to you and you gravitate to them because you have stuff to offer, and that's what you were born to do. And part of it feeds your ego, too. It's like, look what I've done for you. Like, it makes you feel good. Yeah, it feels good to give them. (laughs) Like, I literally will be standing in a room, and I, you know, I have different friends that are popping in my head right now that, um, like, I don't even have to be looking at them. And I'm like, what do you need? I'm like, you need a hug. Or, hey, you're not, you're upset. Like, I don't even have to see them, but I can feel that they're sad or they're upset or they're, oh, especially when they're frustrated or uneasy. Like that's when I, I treat my trigger goes on and I start, cause I, I reflect that I start getting anxious and I realize that it's not me. Somebody else is anxious. And so I'll, if I know them well enough, I identify it, but, um, it's hard. Uh, I, it's actually a skill that I wasn't aware of until after I separated. I, I, had always been using it as a teacher, wife, you know. Even uh, in jujitsu, like you can anticipate oh, what they're going to sure. do because you could feel, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's, I think you can anticipate, you can, it, I almost close my eyes sometimes um, and I can just, and just to feel like where they're, what they're doing or whatever. But um, when, you know, when I was separated and mo- just all of a sudden you're by yourself, so you're hyper aware of everything around you. And, and then dating, you know, I'd never dated before in my life. I was 39. And so like, I had to figure that out. And it wasn't really until I started doing like, like dating or like just being on my own that I realized how, how much of an empath I was and how I was, I was being intuitive and knowing or already getting like an instinctual feeling. And then I started learning how to read that um, and not 
and it's and I'm still not super like I'm learning, but I've only it's only been two years, so it's like I'm still there's there are definitely th wires to get crossed a lot, and I I have to be aware, especially of like the mental illnesses or like the dis personality disorders, because there's they throw everything off. But like I have like really started to understand how I react to people a little bit better now and why, and then I guard, and then it come. I'm trying to remember why I was started on this because saying no, because I might be feeling what they need and tr and and wanting to give it to them, but I, but I realize what it is now sometimes, and and I I feel better about, you know, no, like I just, I am not going to get involved with that, or that's that can't be. I already have enough on my plate, you know, like I don't need to take on somebody else's. Um, conflicts or or you know telling yourself no is hard yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like like no more you know no more drinks no more oh, work yeah, sure. no more <laughs> cell phone <laughs> no more you're dancing fun. <laughs> yeah. you're dancing it all just like it's hard <laughs> especially when you have anybody watching over you, you right know? You have to parent yourself, and you're like, oh, geez, this and is... And if your ADHD is <laughs> overstimulated, so it is, like, there's all kinds of things happening, and you're like, ah, oh, it's fine. So do you meditate or journal at all, or do you um, have other... I, so, I, you know, it always comes back to... Jiu-Jitsu is kind of like my your meditation, thing, right, really. Right, yeah. I have been more aware of meditating, even though I've really not embraced it yet, but I'm one of those that I pick up on... If I hear something over and over and over, you know, by the time I heard it the third time, I'm aware of it, and I realize it's being told to me for a reason. And meditation is one thing I've been hearing almost on the daily, and I realize that I'm being told, you know, by God or whatever, like, it's time for you to start meditating because I'm hearing it constantly throughout the day. And um, so I have been, like, more aware of it and thinking and learning more about it. I actually have discussions with people about it and doing it not on a schedule like I need to be, but trying to figure it out. Um, I've always done it in some way, whether it's music or jiu-jitsu or running, because I run right. a lot. But never in like a breathing, like just focus sense. Just, just sitting down and, yeah. and breathing into it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like you're, like you said, because jujitsu is tough on the body, and because um, I love to hike, um, and that's been like my form of meditation, just being outdoors in nature. Uh, but you know, my joints can't hike as much as I'd love them to, and you know, and so I have to find uh, other ways to kind of quiet my mind and center myself if I can't yeah. uh, I get out there and move. With hiking, is that it takes so long because I live kind of somewhat. So by the time I get there, it's like a half a day. <laughs> yeah. Situation. So I wish I could like have like a short. I think running is the best for me because I can just kind of run outside. I can run outside and uh, you know I'll run for an hour if I don't train. That's my goal is running. So that keeps me kind of in shape, but. I don't like to lift so much. I used yeah, to. me either. I, I don't like lifting either. So I feel it makes me feel stiff. And like as I'm getting older, I'm valuing more mobility and flexibility and range because I played football and uh, picking up heavy stuff isn't. 
that's how most people get hurt anyway. So mm-hmm. it's like now I'm like, can I touch my toes? Yeah. No, yes, flexibility is kind of a thing, especially in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. It's really important. So I think that even just sitting and stretching. Oh, you know, yeah, for sure. It, uh, I don't really watch TV because I can't focus on it. But Right, right. I know. I, I rarely... Uh, like especially like when I'm on the road, I, I I'm usually listening to music. I put the TV on just like when I'm having people over for the podcast. Uh-huh. This is I don't know, um, but when I'm home, I'll I will watch stuff on my iPad or MacBook or mm-hmm. something like you know like more but more like YouTube videos because those are like five minutes, ten minutes, and yeah. then usually instructional. So like I'm learning something I could speed it up too, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my son's constantly on it, but I don't think it's instructional. I'm always we're always arguing about YouTube. <laughs> uh, it's like I don't. I I'm sure my parents had things similar to that, yeah, but it's yeah. like this YouTube and the watching the video games and the yeah. people playing the video games, like that. You much. know, I have a nephew. He's nine years old, and uh, and they live in Austin, Texas. Anything that uh, when he has a birthday or Christmas. I only buy him things that will get him outdoors. So I, get, I bought him a, a hoverboard, and my sister's like, he's going to break his neck. Fine, let him break his neck. I'll buy him a helmet and, and pads so he has that, and then I'm going to get him a drone. Just, you know, it's like, because like, you're right. It's like if if they have the iPad and the laptop, and depending on where they live, too, because when I was a kid, uh, I was in it, and I grew up in it, when I think about it, in a very rich environment. And that I was a block from the lake, mm-hmm. the basketball courts, football fields, yeah. uh, university. Like there was everything around me. There was there was a million things I can do. Uh, the public transportation was right there if I want to go to museums. So everything is easily accessible. And so many kids now are growing up in these uh, environment. They they're financially rich but environmentally poor. Because they they don't have the mobility to really go places where other kids are playing right. or there's green grass or you know they can't just run amok you know they have right. to mom can you drive me or they got to take an exactly. Uber to get to a place where I am now in fact on the way up here one of my goals my next goals is I feel like you know it's been two years and my mind everything all the chaos of the initial healing is starting to come down and I'm able to think more long-term in in terms of planning and one of them is location. So we're at at an apartment, but it's actually literally across the street from where I train, (laughs) 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 which was convenient as a single parent. But uh, one of the things that I want to do is either rent, you know, or buy. So where I'm kind of like, but because I feel like he can't like go and just, run yeah, around where right. we are. Our little space is yeah. just not, it's not conducive to that because it is kind of a major road area. So it's like, I do think it's important because it, he can go out and like ride his bike and everything, but it's not the most, um, you know, I, like I grew up in, around cornfields. So yeah, <laughs> it's right. different, you know, Midwest, like you could run around anywhere. Like it wasn't, we had a huge yard, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, I think that'll make a big difference for him. And he can get out. I can kick him out and feel good about it. You know, like, get out. Go do something. I don't care if you just sit yeah. there and you're outside. <laughs> I guess my mom did. My mom was like, just, you know, but I was that kind of kid. I was already outside. Like, yeah. she, she never had to tell me I'd wake up and gym shoes would be on and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm darting for the door, you know. Um, 
I always feel like, uh, first of all, where can people find you? Are you on Instagram? Are you? Uh, well, I I'm on Instagram, but I it is private. Okay. Um, as it I, should. Right. Yeah, I as a teacher, like mm-hmm. so, I have to like. I can't be one of those that gets to share everything with yeah. the world, unfortunately. <laughs> Although I, so I did have a business, uh, actually, with my ex, and we it was getting to be pretty like it was getting to the point where I was teaching part time. Actually, was teaching part time. I was dra- helping. I was one of the directors for the Phoenix Boys Choir, and I was doing the business. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it was going really well to the point where probably like a year later if we had kept going I probably could have stopped teaching and just focused on the business so eventually my goal is to start up our business again and um, then I can like actually not have to worry about stuff like that you know right, what I mean? like right. the the having to keep the Instagram all secret and private and but um, but yeah it's, it's probably better because I have, like, you know, my personal, like, where I put, like, like Facebook, I hardly go on it. And the only, one of the reasons why I go on it is for jiu-jitsu. Like, gotcha. when I'm training to find out, like, what the classes are changing because mm-hmm. they'll post stuff on there. But, um, but yeah, so I, I, have to be, I have to be a teacher right now and not share my, <laughs> my Instagram. And I always tell because even my son, he wants on my Instagram. I'm like, I'm like, no, no, no right. No. I, well, I teach. You know, he's in my class, like, oh. I, he, and all his friends and everything. Right, and like, you know, right, once you're right. on it, then your friends are gonna start seeing yeah. it. And it's like, I can't. Like, it's just a teacher thing. Yeah. I remember when they first started Facebook, like back in. Oh my gosh. I I remember setting. It was like 2000 and one or two or three i don't know what it was but we literally sat there and and they showed us a a commercial or a video a news clip of a teacher holding a beer i don't even remember this from germany and she was at oktoberfest in germany and she put a picture literally of herself with the beer at oktoberfest and she got fired because of it and i remember sitting there like way back then going nope and from that point forward I would block everybody. <laughs> Every school I ever worked at, if they worked with me or if you were a parent, if you're whatever, right. block, 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 block. Just and it just stuck with me, you know. So even to this day, I do the same. Like I know I just, it's funny because it's called social media, and now you can't even be social on there because yeah. there are real world consequences yeah. uh, for that kind of but stuff. You know, teachers, and I get it because they're you know role models and. You know, we are teaching them how to be professional, business, educated. Uh, but in some ways, we do get kind of second-class treatment in the way that we don't always get the same freedoms. And, you know, like, everybody should be able to hold a beer up from Oktoberfest. I mean, that's Espe- kind of You're like, not at work. You're on vacation. You're overseas. <laughs> you don't have awesome. class the next day. But yeah. <laughs> so I just learned early on that you have to be super careful and, you know, it's just stuck with me. What? is uh because you've been you were married for 16 years mm-hmm. and now you're in a dating world mm-hmm. Wh- what what stands out to you about the dating world now um so i i didn't know anything so right. i really had no prior even opinion about it yeah i had uh 
I didn't even, I wasn't even single in college. So I had a high school sweetheart who followed me to college from Indiana, and we were basically together the whole time. And then I ended up um, marrying one of my roommates who uh, lived with us. We weren't ever, like, a thing while we were living together, but, like, we all just were friends. And then after, right after I broke up with my high school sweetheart, we went to dinner, like, a few days later and just kind of stayed together, like, as boyfriend, girlfriend, and eventually got married. So it's like I was never single. And so when I was 39, all of a sudden, it was, I mean, it was scary, like, I had no idea, you know, I didn't know what to expect, I didn't know um, how to date, I didn't know what I was interested in, I had nothing, so it, I don't even, not, I'm not even sure I had anything to compare it to other than just to understand it, but I would say um, my, I have lots of impressions, <laughs> it's been quite an experience actually, but um, I think a lot of uh, your energy, like my energy, has been, has determined the type, you know, you your energy, what you're throwing out is what you attract. So as my energy has changed over the last two years, I've attracted different things. And I haven't been really in the space. And I have attracted, you know, great guys, not so great guys. Uh, but it wouldn't have mattered because I wasn't in the space for it. You know, I wasn't ready for even if it was a good situation. So, um. but you know that that's valuable in itself because uh, I've noticed that too, where um, I have uh, I've been in situations where you know. Depending on my mood and where I'm at uh, mentally, I, it, it's fascinating the types of women that that I attract. I mean, it, it's like a, a huge like, and it's like uh, they're clustered together. Like it's like this certain group of women, and I could I could tell you like what mood and what space I was in, mm -hmm. and then when I'm not in that space, like those women just drop off, and then this other yeah, group exactly. comes in. And um, I feel the same. I feel like if you were you saying that, I, it, it reminds me. I'm thinking about different experiences, and I'm like, yeah, totally different. It's clusters, yeah. It really is. It really is. And um, I, I think my my personality, because uh, I do have a bigger personality, and um, I, I, you know, people find me interesting because I do have a lot of different things. You know, with the music and the jujitsu, and you know, I have tattoos and. Uh, so I, people are like confused sometimes, you know, like, who are you? And, you know, right. I, I mean, and they're like, oh, you have a lot to offer, you know. Um, so I tend to uh, attract, you know, um, outside of the box people because I am an outside of the box person. And um, so I make a couple of things from that. One is that I tend to attract like, more dominant, like, alpha personalities, and it's very, um, and that's good in the fact that that's so different than what, like, that's what I need, really, like, I need that balance, but sometimes that, because I, I am older, I have life experience, and, you know, I was married for a long time, so I'm definitely not settling, and I don't appreciate bad behavior, 
And I don't hide it either. And I, I'm not saying, I'm actually not, uh, I, I would probably consider myself an alpha female, but I really like a traditional role. Like, I, I contradict a little bit there, because, like, I really do like the male-female role. I don't, I, I like the, I know this, people are going to hate this, but I like the, you know, the submission, like, I, I was raised as a Christian and everything, so I really do value those sorts of traditional roles, but it ha it's a deserved role, and, and I rarely make it to even the second or third date, because I just find that a lot of guys just, they are a lot of talk, and, and, uh, not, and not a lot of follow through, and, and, and they don't, and they don't appreciate, <laughs> you know, like, or they or they don't appreciate, you know, if they say something. I I expect it's going to happen, like, because I trust that what they said was going to come through. So, like, especially as a single mom, if you're like, hey, let's have dinner on Saturday, and I'm like, okay, well, I have to make sure there's a babysitter, and I have to like make sure that. You know, I have tons of friends. I get invited to things or whatever. And so, like, I free up my Saturday. I get a babysitter or whatever. And then all of a sudden, uh, the, you know, we're all texting each other. And then on Friday, they stop texting. And I'm like, oh, you know right away. I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. And by Saturday, you know, like, well, what should I do? Should I cancel the babysitter? Like, should I change my plans? You know, like, I can't stand that. And then... It's it's almost without fail that they either just oh I was doing this or or oh I'm tired or oh this came up and I'm like and I will I don't just say okay like it's just not in my personality to do that I'm like you know dude like I'm so glad that you can just be change your plans whenever you feel like it but I actually had to prepare for this date and then sometimes they're like oh. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you actually, like, have a life that depends on you, and you have to, like, take, per you know. And I'm like, I'm sure you're wonderful, but if you can't even, like, make it to the first date and follow through with your word, then what does 16 years later look like? You yeah, know? it's not going to get better <laughs> over time, for <laughs> like sure. If this very first date isn't exciting enough for you, like, I mean, that's, that, that's probably the downside. I've been married for so long. It's like, dude if you can't even follow through with the first or second date with what you're saying, like, like I'm going to go on, like, uh, you know, you better make your net. If you want me to go on a date with you, the next thing better be something epic because the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, fellas, if a woman calls you dude, you've already lost her. She's already, <laughs> as soon as she calls you dude, you're, 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 you're not recovering from dude. No, no, like, like the friend zone is bad, but dude is even worse that, that she's, She's lost all respect for you. Uh, and I think, you know, and, I, and that's probably, like, one of my, <laughs> I, I agree with that. And I probably have a little bit of, like, a, I'm to the point now where I expect, and like we said, energy, this is where I'm probably not 100% where I need to be. Like, I'm almost expecting that because it's happened so much that I'm just, like, like, I, when guys are talking to me and they're, like, hey, we should, da, 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 I literally am just seeing their mouth move. Because I don't, I don't care what they're saying. It doesn't matter what they say. Until they actually do it, I don't care. And right. I'm just like, oh, that's great. Oh, fine, thanks. And then, you know what I mean? If they do it, then I'm like, man, you're awesome. Like, yeah, but until it actually happens, 
And it, and you know, because the other, I think a lot of guys, I think there's there's a couple reasons for that. One is a lot of men, like uh, a quarter of men in America, are being raised without their fathers. So when you have, and then the you know, and then maybe another quarter of those guys who are raised with their fathers, their fathers probably aren't the best example of what a man is, right? So fifty percent of men are either don't know what it they haven't they don't have any proper modeling of manhood and and the models that they have received aren't the best examples of what a man should be or just even what a person it's not even about being a man so much but like uh, uh, if a person says they're going to do something then that person you expect that person to follow through with it and uh and i think that that like the idea of like a dominant male, a lot of men think that dominant means like you, you do what I tell you to do. And really it's like, if you could just follow through with what you said, right. that's, that's alpha exactly. a, 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 in itself. Of like, wow, you said you're going to do something. You got it done. Yes. That is, that's the, de- that's the definition of a, a strong personality. Yeah. And because it comes down to trust. That's what you're looking for. It's exactly. like, if you're, if you, if I can't even trust you to follow through on his date, then I, I mean, I mean, if you can't get excited about the first or second date, right? Then you have, then there's a problem, and so that's the way I see it, and I, and I don't hide it. Like I'm, like I'm sure you're a wonderful guy, and I'm sure to your friends you're amazing. I said, but <laughs> I'm, you did not follow through with your word, and. Red flag, done. Like, right. there might have been a time I put up with it, you know, at the beginning when I was trying to figure everything out. I don't have time for that. I have too much on my plate. I, I want to be my son to be my number one. Like, if he's at home, I am want him to have my attention. So the last thing I'm going to do is give my attention to somebody who really is not that interested. And if they were, they would put effort into it. Because let's face it, if, he, if these people, you know, these guys, if they had really, truly felt it and wanted it, it would have happened. Because these are not, these are these are legit dudes. Like, right. I'm not dating, and you know, some guy that's, I don't know, I feel like anything I say is going to be offensive. So I'm like, just some guy that doesn't really put a lot, not ambitious or whatever. So I'm dating like, like you know, guys that guys are Guys who like, are thriving career-wise. Yeah, they're thriving. They're rock running stars businesses. And what they're, right. they're entrepreneurs. Yes. So like outside, of, like they're, People know them, whatever. So, if they if they want something, it'll happen. You know what I mean. So I'm not I'm not fooled. But they just want what they want is easy, right? Somebody's just gonna be available when they whenever they want them, whenever they have the time or the energy or something better is not coming along. And I'm just I don't have time for that. I'm doing jujitsu. I'm a musician. I might you know. So I and I and I I can be feisty about it just because I think it's rude. And if, cause I go by my word and I, for six, you know, like I said, for, for half my life, like I was all in, like if I said I was going to do something, I did it, followed through with it. Um, and that's just who I am. So I take it offensively when it's, when it's not presented to me that way. So, yeah, I know it'll happen one day and I'm not in a hurry, but, um, I find it's why like, uh, uh, alpha women like yourself end up with like nerdy looking dudes <laughs> because those guys will follow through. Like they, they, yeah, they got their, sure. they, they got their work together. They got some, some business that doesn't really require their attention. 
and so they can give you more well, attention. I, well, I, think the, I don't even say that. I think that, um, like, for me, a, a, and I'll say use the word dude again because <laughs> I, I say it a lot now, and it's probably because I've had a lot of respect for dudes lately because of these reasons. But <laughs> the guy has to be smarter than me. I mean, he really does. He's got to be. He's got to be smarter than me. He's got to be able to challenge me, or I'm not going to respect him. So I actually end up really being attracted to guys that are, have very intelligent, forward-thinking minds, and they they can challenge me as much as I, and they can tell me to cut it, like when I'm if I'm being feisty or whatever, and I will because that's the type I really legit will if I because I like that role, you know, like the, the traditional role. So, but, so a lot of these guys that I uh, am attracted to, they're, they might, you know, I, I think I probably have a type, but they can span all kinds depending on like how their mind works or what, you know, their energy or the chemistry or whatever. So, but a lot of times <laughs> they're like in other states or something, you know, it's just, it's not feasible. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know how all the timing and, like, I don't know how it, it all works. It's, it's, you know, I have a buddy of mine, him and his wife, they've been married for, I don't know, 12, 15 years. And uh, and they were long distance for a while because he's, co- he's a coach. And so she'd be in one state. And, and she was a teacher. She'd be in one state. She'd be in another. But And then finally, like, I don't know, eight years later, they finally are in a position where they're both in the same place and like it's it's stabilized, but it was like back and forth for a very it's long t- time. The timing, I feel like it's timing is more everything. anything. Yeah. And you know, so I've learned to not take it personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with the, the guys that are not making the best choices and they're like not falling through, maybe it's just not the right timing for them and that's fine. So I've learned to yeah, like I might have my moment where I'm like, you know what, I could have planned something else that Saturday or whatever, but I I really don't hold on to it. I really do like uh, try not to take it personally. Uh, um, I'm there was a time I pro- I would have, but now I realize there's a lot more to it. It it's not about me, you know. Like I know what I offer, and um, so it's it legit like. Everybody has to be in the same place and, you know, at the same time. So that's just hard. I think it's hard to find. Um, it, uh, it's hard to find that perfect situation, I guess. But Ashley, I want to thank you for being on a podcast today. Um, I always feel like there's someone who's listening who might be on a precipice of uh, completing suicide. What would you say to that person? before you kill yourself? Um, if, I, if I had to answer that question, I would say that there, just because I've had this experience that you are capable of so much more than you realize. And I know it's hard when you're in that space to think that way, but our minds and our bodies are just so resilient and so strong and you can be in the lowest in the lowest place, but if you just can take a second to breathe and calm, you're gonna find space or a way to work your way out of it, whether it's through another person or through, you know, a passion or or even just you know what? Not even that. 
because I get I get in those moments where I being uh, by myself for the first time ever at age 39, I've never before been literally by myself before, is that some days it's just like one little thing. Like literally it could be I go to from my bed to like go get in the shower. <laughs> Step one. Step two, uh, you know, blow dry my hair. You know, one little step. That's it's just like you just go, and then then it, and then before you know it, you know your mind is somewhere else. So, actually, I, that's probably even before anything else. It's just you know what, I just want to get this one thing done, and then <laughs> you move on to the next one. It could be something so stupid, but it really is like an accomplishment. Uh, you know that's such a great answer. You know, just have those days where it's like, let I me mean, just pick one thing. Whether it's brushing my teeth, taking a shower, so small. yeah, uh, reading go a to the chapter, store, yeah, <laughs> which is horrible. To do I do the laundry, store. something, you know, move some stuff around the house, you know. Uh, um, once again, thank you all for listening. And this podcast is not a replacement for you actually going to get help, going to therapy. Call the 1-800-SUICIDE number if you need to. Call the talk number. Uh, call the Trevor Project. Text. There's online support. All that stuff is always linked in the show notes uh, if you need uh, further uh, details or, or contact information. Ashley Malum, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.